Our passage this morning comes from the Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 16, verses 21 through 28. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this must never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Then Jesus told his disciples, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Or what will they give in return for their life? For the Son of Man is to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay everyone for what has been done. Truly, I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. Today's gospel passage really belongs attached to last week's. Last week we heard Jesus ask the disciples what they had been saying about him, and Peter spoke up, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus called him Peter, the rock. Today, as Jesus explains what it means to be the Messiah, Peter backpedals. Jesus, no, you've got it wrong. And Jesus goes from calling Peter a building block to calling him a stumbling block. So quickly do the descriptions get upended in this passage. Last week, Jesus said that it wasn't flesh and blood that revealed his identity to, to Peter, it was God. Today, he tells Peter that he's contemplating the things of humanity rather than the things of God. How quickly do we too turn from noble, holy thought to human, greedy, prideful contemplation? It takes very little for us to go from intentions of service and love to intentions of protection and security. All it takes is the threat of dying to turn us from faithful followers of Christ to fear-filled followers of our own way. All it takes is to be faced with the cross for us to turn and run the opposite direction. And that is understandable. It is natural. It's called self-preservation. It's human. But that's not a good enough excuse, Jesus says. And he goes on to say that those who intend to be his disciples will take up their own cross, get behind him, and follow him. Now remember, this conversation is being had before his crucifixion, so the cross is not yet a symbol of hope or resurrection. It is simply a symbol of death, destruction, oppression, and loss. It is directly related to Jesus' prior statement about Peter's about face. If you're going to follow Jesus with the proclamations of gospel and the challenge of empire, things will get hard. There is no way around it. 
Now, for those of us on this side of the resurrection, you can't face the cross and run from the cross at the same time. You must choose which God you will serve, the God of prosperity and ease, or the God of the cross and subsequently resurrection. Now, Peter's rebuke is a form of temptation for Jesus, which is why he turns around and calls him Satan. It offers a spectator version of faithfulness, one which we are very familiar with as American Christians. His temptation is insidious and alluring. He suggests that being the Messiah means being victorious and powerful and winning the day by human standards. And that's something we like to hear. We like to be the ones who are victorious and powerful and win the day. I mean, think about all of the movies that are made where America comes in and saves the world from imminent disaster over and over and over again. And that's a movie we like to watch because we like to be winners. And we strive to be victorious and powerful. Failure, we say, is not an option. But this just does not work alongside the life and death of God, for that's what it is. God died. Our God died. God died for us. And then God called us to follow Christ into death so that we, too, might rise again and serve others. That's what baptism is all about. We have already died so that death and fear and hatred and evil won't hold us captive. We have already died so that we are free to live in service to the gospel and not to ourselves. We have died in Christ because he showed us that even for an incarnated God, death is inevitable. And if death is inevitable for all of us, how then shall we live? Now we can live hoarding the things and memories of a better day. We can live numbing ourselves to the pain around us and within us. We can live running in fear of what might happen and in regret for what has already happened. We can live always putting ourselves first, working to secure what we have and strive for more and strive for having more. We can even live in an effort to be more holy, to pray more and study more and worship more and tithe more and volunteer more and serve more, hoping that we can then ensure God's love and being so heavenly minded that we are of no earthly good. We can live in misery, presuming that being a victim of another's harm is just our cross to bear. We can live denying ourselves the pleasures of life as if being miserable will somehow please God. But the question is this, how do these things actually serve the gospel? How do they proclaim good news of renewed abundant life in Jesus Christ? How do they liberate us from sin and death and the devil? They don't. So, we can live a prosperity gospel kind of life, or we can live generously, giving often more of ourselves than we are comfortable with because another is in need. We can live abundantly, 
being grateful for all that we have and all that we've come through. We can live in faith that God is indeed good and in hope that the challenges of this life are not the last word in this world or the next. We can live putting the well-being of others before our own. We do not have to be us first. We can live praying more, studying more, worshiping more, tithing more, volunteering more, and serving more because we are so filled with love and grace that it overflows into every moment of our lives. We can live in love for the unlovable, knowing that sometimes, oftentimes, the unlovable includes us. So today we are at a crossroads, like Peter. Are we to be a stumbling block that impedes others in their desire for God's grace? Or are we to be a building block on which the gospel can grow? Jesus' conversation here is his disclaimer that discipleship comes with a cross attached, free of charge. This is a BOGO offer, buy one, get one, in for a penny, in for a pound. If you're going to be a disciple of Christ, you're going to carry a cross. And it's not one that, ha that you have designed for yourself for its ease and comfort, but one that has been designed for you. But do not worry. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Take my yoke upon you, for my weight is easy and my burden is light. We never carry our cross alone. Jesus is always there with us, bearing the brunt of the weight of sin and death on our behalf. I like how Debbie Thomas encapsulates Jesus' work from the cross. She says, Jesus willingly took the violence, the contempt, the apathy, and the arrogance of the world and absorbed them all into his body. He took all of our fears and our pride and ideas of victories and rebirthed them into something gospel-bearing. Fear becomes faith, pride becomes humility, and victory becomes death so that we might truly live. On the cross, Jesus is unwavering in his message of good news, liberation, forgiveness, and abundant life for all of creation. That is why he is bound to this destiny, why he says the Messiah must undergo these things. That is why he rebuked Peter when Peter argued for victory instead of death, because a holy life isn't about living, it's about dying. And once we make our peace with that, we are free to serve God's mission in this world without hindrance. Amen.